Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the first uh, episode to take partially uh, in place in Fairfax County in quite a while. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Uh, Scott calling us from the, the, the English countryside, wherein we're not sure if he's in the story where he'll go into a little, you know, his children will go into like a little tree nook and be in the world of fairies and have a very safe and wholesome adventure before they're returned home. Or if, um, you know, some sort of forbidden love will, will manifest itself based on class and wealth. Uh, Scott, please keep us apprised as that situation unfolds for you. Um, but today's initial topic, uh, forgetting all the stuff, look, the morning show in Buffalo was talking about wrestling right before they talked to Sean McDermott and they asked Sean McDermott if he had ever seen the rock wrestle. And he said, well, I know who the rock is, but I didn't. He goes, but I'd have to think that my favorite wrestler was the ultimate warrior. So, uh, you know, buy, sell or trade, I guess is the way to go. Uh, having the ultimate warrior as your favorite wrestler, Paul, because I know Paul has an answer faster than Scott. <laughs> Scott, you take this time to Google who the Ultimate Warrior was, <laughs> and we'll sure. go from there. <laughs> yes. So, do you want my favorite wrestler, favorite Ultimate Warrior uh, match or just, memory? No, anything you want to want to share with your opinion about having, you know, about the Warrior or yeah. who your favorite wrestler is or anything. Yeah, but we'll open do we'll... wrestling topic. This one goes out to Cassie on Bills and Beers, who loves it when we talk wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> So we uh, all everyone knows my favorite wrestler is Randy Savage, or if you don't, you do now. But we'll stick to the Warrior. Uh, he he's his he was he had an interesting personality for sure in life. He legally changed his name to Warrior yeah. uh, at one point to keep hold on to his trademark. So he was ahead of his time. I, uh, sorry, quick aside. My boss, my first boss at the USPTO where I work, um, the trademark office had a phone conversation with him about his trademarks like he was in charge of those trades so if you look up his trademarks you know that was my boss was the is the attorney listed and he's like yeah he was an interesting guy so continue but I, I didn't now want i'm to picturing like now i want to pursue i want to talk i want to get your boss on the line and interview I'd him about get, this. i'd love to get um him to talk about that but he has since been well promoted and uh, definitely will not be having public conversations about <laughs> trademark conversations he's had especially with the with the now deceased Right. Yeah. I, I wish they had tape recordings back then. It could have been like, by the power of this mark, I blah blah. You know, and then he can just uh, talk about it. But yeah, I uh, my favorite memory is is many is with uh, many people's memory is with the warrior is uh, WrestleMania six against Hulk Hogan. Two guys who, when you look at their in ring skill, were not heavy, but about two of the most charismatic people you can get putting yeah. on a match that was perfectly choreographed for what their skill sets were a couple of strong men who could, you know, weren't great at taking bumps, but that almost made it look even better because neither could harm the other. A great back and forth. I think many of us were shocked when it was the first time many of us, yeah. myself included, had seen Hulk Hogan take a clean pinfall. I'd never yeah. seen that before. And you and we haven't seen it much since, to be honest with you. Right. And so that was, you know, that would be my favorite Ultimate Warrior memory. And I was really glad uh, when he won the Intercontinental title, then when he won the world title, uh, can't get it, tough to find more charismatic in-ring performers. A shame he wasn't great at the business side and had a, and a, some some viewpoint issues with let's call dated. Uh, but as far as a pro wrestler goes, you can't get better in-ring than the Ultimate Warrior uh, in terms of entertainment value. 
his energy was at a he was he lived at an 11 um <laughs> out of 10 so for sure uh scott do you have have any wrestling uh memories you'd like to share ultimate warrior wise or other well i i guess i guess the the, the point i would I'd question is is like it does seem odd based on the charisma that you guys seem to be uh seem to be speaking of that this would be mcdermott's guy shouldn't <laughs> mcdermott's guy be like the hundred and he shouldn't he be the like the flyweight ncaa iowa wrestling champ shouldn't that be his like home you know, bread corn to starch that, to that point after he said the ultimate warrior he said you know kurt angle also good kurt angle of course won the olympic gold and then moved into wwe so perhaps scott is right in that you know McDermott remembered the most colorful wrestler he could at first and then moved on to to the more milk toast, but certainly no less legendary, perhaps more legendary Kurt Angle. I see that could be it. Yeah, I mean, it could be or maybe I'd like to think of it as like Sean, Mc, like little Sean McDermott, you know, 10 years old. His, he's watching the ultimate warrior and then his dad comes in. And he's like, that's 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 fancy wrestling, son. You don't need none of that. You, yeah. you you go out here and catch this ball or you 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 tackle you you got to tackle these stairs now or something and then and then he so there's you a know. So there's a secret deep desire there's a deep seated yeah. wrestling you know he wanted to be a wrestler and you know at some yeah. point this year during the covid pandemic it, he'll reach his stress breaking point and he will you know just come he'll to just the field there won't be fans yeah, you know, get get the get the warrior face paint and the the tie offs to make your your already jack steroid muscles look that much bigger. Um, I think the thing with and I'm just going to take over now. Good job, Scott. Uh, thanks, thanks for thanks for playing with along with us. That was great. Um, the thing with Warrior, uh, you're right, Paul, in that he had a charisma level, but his charisma level literally literally appealed to. 18 to 13 year old boys and that was it <laughs> yeah. like he had he had he had what we call limited range and his limited range was great in that he hammered that note and so you know like you when you, it's like if you went to a hootie in the blowfish concert you want to see hold my hand if you're going to ultimate warrior you want to see the you know 80 you know late 80s hair metal band show up for me the best match and i've said this before on this podcast uh him beating the honky tonk man the, it's not the best match i think you're right him and hogan was probably the most captivating match ever and then right. but the reason i don't like it is because everything that after like he was set up by the only legend left in the business and couldn't succeed in wwe on his own without being you know with, with being the 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 top dog. Uh, so there's always a bittersweet component. But when he beats the honky tonk man in 36 seconds or whatever it is at SummerSlam 88, and I watch that live, um, that is that is beyond like that blew my mind because I had spent so many months watching the honky tonk man like just, you know, lie, steal, cheat, cheat and steal his you know way through that title and to like have have warrior come in and like there's no time for your bullshit and just beats him in 36 seconds or yep. whatever more uh, than more than not that was more than 30 years ago at the time honky tonk man was the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time i believe he is still the longest reigning inter intercontinental champion of all time and then like you said 36 seconds or so 
just done. Just came in, and you, done. You kind of have to do that with Honky Tonk's permission, right? Like, you can't just, you know, we... we and, oh my God! This is a wrestling podcast. I'm so sorry, but we were talking about um, Chris Jericho's debut because that was, you know, almost it was 21 years ago today. You know, he comes in in the middle of a promo of The Rock, uh, which is like, it's not like just anybody. Like you need all you need The Rock to sign off on that, and you need kind of honky tonk man to say, yeah, okay, he can he can be. Even if you don't get to choose, he's going to win. You definitely have to, you know, you definitely get to choose how he's going to win. And he won clean and fast. And so, like, that was a big put over. And he ran with that great. And then when he was the top dog, there was nothing. He didn't have the <laughs> the, the depth to the he didn't have the the, the, the the character depth to carry it the way that yep. um, his, his best could. matches were always short, except that Hogan match, because he was tough to work with. Uh, yeah, in the ring. And that's why that match worked. By the way, Honky said that was his. Uh, best pay-per-view payday and the least he ever had to work on a pay-per-view. So yeah. he's actually totally fine with getting squashed. You know who you know who worked with him? I, I'm pretty sure it was Andre who and and the warrior used to work stiff until Andre like actually Andre the Giant actually hit him. Oh yeah. Because he kept clotheslining him into the ropes too hard and he'd tell yeah. him not to and he'd go, Ugh and then one day Andre stuck his hand down, literally knocked him out cold and then had to like vamp for three or four minutes in the ring because he couldn't pin him. He wasn't oh, he, scheduled to win. Right. And then and then, um, then Ultimate Warrior stopped being so stiff and came in with a more gentle clothesline for Andre. Well, but Andre would always put you over like Andre was the nicest guy if you just worked with him. So anyway, thank you for listening to uh, the heel turn pre podcast. Let's <laughs> get to the actual Bills podcast now. <laughs> um, and uh, we've got some we've got some Bills updates. The 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 uh, Buffalo Bills um, are in training camp. Um, I forget exactly which stage they are physically at today, but they are um, they are here and they are ready to, to play football. Um, and there is no They're one on not. the. <laughs> well, they better They're ready be. to start practicing. Right. They're not going to be ready to play football for a month, probably. Well, and they're and they're not going to get preseason games, so we can definitely talk about what the what the fallout from might that might be. But everybody has showed up. No one is currently on the COVID nineteen um, list. Uh, I listened to a handful of the player interviews. I don't know if Scott has had the chance to in in the merry old England. Um, but Scott, why don't you why don't you I, we dominated the beginning of this conversation and thank you. Um, we, uh, you know, we have Ed Oliver's charges are dropped. We have Starla Tulele opting out. We have, uh, EJ Gaines opting out. We have, uh, Tredavious White not opting out, which was also a story. Uh, please give us your thoughts on the bills at this early stage of the NFL season. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, obviously, you know, it, it, everything's relative a bit, um, you know, it it could have been worse, obviously, like we could be the New England Patriots with basically our entire light linebacking core kind of mm-hmm. um, kind of choosing to opt out um, from a football sense. Um, it's good news, obviously, that there's nobody who's there were some there were some positive tests, I guess. But it doesn't sound like anyone's in any real danger, at least amongst the rookie kind of class and that there weren't any among the veterans so far, um, at least none that's been reported. Right. I mean. Right. Nothing reported. So, I mean, I guess you don't really know. And I guess I don't even know. Is that a thing? Are they going to have to report that the same way that they do with like hamstring, you know, whatever? Um, 
Well, from what I remember, it's kind of weird in that players, and correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, you don't, like, you don't have to say somebody's on the COVID-19, that somebody has COVID-19, but you do have to say they're on the COVID-19 list. COVID-19 reserve Yes, because it can mean both that they, it could just mean they've been exposed exposed to someone who has it, and this is a precaution, but you can't uh, just say, I mean, there's... Technically, uh, we won't discuss HIPAA laws too in depth here. Uh, health well, privacy HIPAA laws. Law, yeah, they would only apply to doctors, though. HIPAA right. laws only, they only apply, apply between yeah. doctor and patient. But you're, you know, if, uh, do- so you could technically disclose to your employee, and they could go and disclose it to the public. But it's kind of understood in these, probably in the employment agreement between the the comp- between the the bills and the and the players. That hey, we have to say you're on this reserve list, but we won't tell anyone if you actually have it or have just been exposed to someone who has it. So that's yeah. they're the best they can do to protect that. Now that said, that said in the baseball season, I mean, it only took a few days of Juan Soto being on the reserve list before everyone just was like, yeah, he's the one that tested positive, and so my guess is that will eventually, you know, I, I don't think it'll be a very well kept secret. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I guess the point is it's good news that no one's sick. Um, yes. I think in terms of the bills, it's not great that Latulale uh, opted out from a strictly football sense. I'm not criticizing him. It's just yes, simply right. a, a fact of that is obviously someone who they invested a tremendous amount of money in and someone who's not getting any younger either. So um, that is a discussion for next year in terms of like, do we really need to be paying him that kind of money next year um, based on the, the kind of the, the way that they work, the, the opt out scheme um, that, mm-hmm. that is something that, the bill, you know, next year bills will have to deal with, but this year bills obviously now are a little, a little lighter on the front line. I think star wasn't uh, a stellar player for us, not a pro bowl level guy. Obviously it's tough to kind of pick out pro pro bowl level guys when you're paying that kind of uh, two gap run eating lineman. Um, which is kind of by definition not going to get you a lot of flashy stats, but it wasn't clear that he was consistently um, nailing that either. So I, you know, it's not great, but he at minimum is is quality depth, and you know the Bills are a little thin on the defensive line now. I mean, that is obviously as we talked about in the offseason, you know, there were five or six guys who are getting paid, you know, seven or eight million dollars a season or more on the defensive line. So uh, we can slide one of the new. Uh, acquisitions more to play defensive tackle. Um, it's not the end of the world. Um, EJ Gaines, obviously, it's tough to say that you could ever really rely on EJ just because of his previous health and joint issues. Not again, that's right. not his fault. It's just a fact of 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 if you're a, of if you're a, a general manager, you can only plan on you know certain guys being there some of the time, uh, or you have to you have to plan you have to take that into account when you're planning. So right. Um, it, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world to lose EJ or Star, but it is, uh, you know, these are the little chips away. But in the grand scheme of things, th- those two guys are probably not um, deal breakers for the Bills this year, so to speak. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think- but really, I'm sorry, I was going to say, Paul, just uh, I was going to say this in the leading to you talking. Uh, you bring up a really good uh, question into how the equity of opting out of this year will actually play into next year. Certainly in the, all the conversations, all the players and the coaches are very supportive of players not um, playing. And I think that that is 
a appropriate and and b um I think it's genuine. I don't think anyone's actually holding it against them right now. But I also think that, you know, there's a good chance that come next year when you're looking at Star Latulale suddenly having like one more year on his contract and having to pay him next year in a year that maybe you were a year, thought you were going to be a year closer to being out of the deal, that some things might start to come to to, to pass. Paul, please comment uh, on the beginning of the season. And if you want to run with that thread as well, please do. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the thread to me that, that Scott and you were both talking about that most interests me. I think Scott set a very good precedent there uh, by talking about, you know, we're not judging these players at all for the personal decisions we're making. That should be clear. But mm-hmm. we also we, we won't gloss over the facts that it means. And with uh, when it's my turn to speak, of course, now an ambulance goes by. But uh, with someone like Star of the Tulele, my understanding is now they purposely structured his contract, knowing he's getting older, knowing he's not as effective to give him just a ton of guaranteed money for this season, knowing that if they want to move on from him next year, uh, meaning for the 2021 season, they could do so. Uh, assuming Harrison Phillips develops, that they're happy with Quentin Jefferson, uh, that they're happy with their development of all the players on their defensive line at Oliver included, and that would be no problem. Now, he's going to be a year older next year, and if you cut him, my understanding is you will end up eating, and I will have to, uh, of course, now over the cap isn't working for me when I'm trying to find this information, but it'd be millions upon millions of dollars uh that you would have in dead money which would hurt you next year um so yeah that's a that's it's tough from a financial perspective for the bills because now latulale's contract whether you keep him or or get rid of him you're going to have a lot of money on the books in a year you're looking to extend guys like trey white like matt milano if josh allen has a type of year we all hope he has you're going to need an extension for him soon and now this pushes that money down to a year when you're going to have less cap than you've had in in a while. So that's that's the problem with Star. Is Scott noted on the field? I don't think his impact is going to be. If we see if Harrison Phillips comes back from his injury uh, and as effective as he was in that Bengals game before he went out with that injury in the fourth quarter, I think they're going to be okay. As and if the interior linemen they've signed to help out, like Quinton Jefferson, I mentioned, like Vernon Butler, who I think can can play inside and outside, if I remember correctly, they're they're going to be okay in that regard. Uh, and I think Scott nailed it with EJ Gaines because I I, I like EJ, uh, but if there's one, Scott used the word reliable, and if there's one thing EJ is definitely not, it is it is reliable through no fault of his own. He has had unfortunate injuries. He is is us Washington Nationals fans would call him the Nick Johnson of yeah. the NFL. Great, yes. great when he's in there, really benefits your team when he's there and he's healthy, but you can't depend on him to be healthy. And I and I love Nick Johnson and I, I like EJ Gaines. It's just, it, this was how it was going to to be. I think I'd mentioned on both of our, pre, our previous two podcasts about how uh, baseball is going to kind of serve as a guinea pig. Uh, I think it has. Uh, I think the NFL is going to, you know, kind of observe and learn where the Major League Baseball is really screwing things up right now and where they seem mm-hmm. to have things okay. Uh, they can look at, you know, the organizations like Major League Soccer and the NHL that have bubbles and how effectively those are working. So I think for we should be talking about the Bills' first preseason game now, of course, and we're not because it didn't happen. But I think so far so good for both the Bills uh, and the NFL at large in terms of, you know, how things are tracking as of, you know, August 9th, 2020 anyway. 
just quickly on the Starla Tulo Lay money, at least according to Over the Cap. Uh, so his four and a half million is guaranteed next year. Basically, the Bills and Latule agreed to a renegotiated contract in February that reduces the overall value by five point four million on the remaining years, but fully guaranteed an additional five point six five million. The Bills gained two million in twenty twenty cap space with the new contract. Latule opted out of the twenty twenty season due to the COVID pandemic. His contract will toll and run from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty four rather than twenty twenty to twenty twenty three. Okay, so they haven't updated their grid yet. So his guaranteed salary this year is half a million. His 20, so they haven't added 2024, which goes to when he's 35. His 2022 opt out or guaranteed salary is zero. Uh, and his dead cut money pre June one is 5.2 million. So that that's, I think, the, the right, money good. that so they they're agreed screwed to. in 2021 no matter what. But they're not screwed 2022 because I think are we all in agreement yeah. that Starla Tulele is not on this team 2022 and beyond? I think so at 33, and I don't think he's put up any sort of. I think he I think he is one of yeah. these players that probably uh, doesn't do as well. Sorry, does better than than the, the the individual stats indicate, but he's not doing like that well, right? Yes, right, because um, he's on the team in 2021. Is he or 2022? Excuse me, is he doing 9.35 million dollars well? Probably not. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Um, his dead cap for next year, pre-June 1, is 12.3, and then after June 1 is 7.1. But I think that that involves – so you can change the cap amount, uh, how much the, the hit is, but it it doesn't um, – I think that get, still gives him more money. Not that I want to begrudge him money, but um, – but yes, I think that it does affect some of those changes. One of the things that you mentioned was Tredavious, who is staying. He was a last-minute decision slash non-decision in regards to uh, whether he was going to play this season or not. I listened to his interview with the reporters. If you go to, um, there's a bunch of archived report. They did a bunch of Zoom interviews with with players. Um, I really liked Tredavious's interview because I found it very honest. Um, they had asked him a couple times about whether he had plans on stay or if he'd sign an early contract. And he, instead of just saying like, I'm letting my agent deal with it. He, his first questions about COVID were like, look, I've got a baby at home and I really love spending time with my baby and I don't want to run, you know, playing football necessitates the idea that maybe I don't get to see my baby for six months. Um, and that's a consideration and, and whether I would bring something home to him or not. And the other thing is the the idea that, you know, with his next contract, he has an opportunity to set up and he used this phrase twice, generational wealth. You know, he has the opportunity to not only have money but money for his family and his extended family and I respect that completely. I really yeah. do. I, I I just was sort of really refreshed, you know, and part of me understands that like there are are folks who get mad that you're not going to be you know, loyal to the bills to the end of the time or whatever. But like, I get that. Like, I get the idea of wanting to set up something, not just for your kids, but your grandkids and having a once in a lifetime opportunity uh, in in the construct of how your family is and how his family in particular is with, you know, whatever level of poverty he comes from. And it, it doesn't even have to be a lot of poverty. Like mm -hmm. if I had an opportunity, I'm a very okay off guy and if i had the opportunity to set up generational wealth for my family i would um so i really was refreshed by his answer and i i found myself drawn to the idea that good for him even if he doesn't 
for me anyway, he's already set up the idea that if he doesn't resign here, that's disappointing, but I'm not going to be mad at him because how can I be mad at a guy who just wants to take care of his family? Um, And and to to your point, I think we sometimes forget because Trey is so goofy and we have the bias against athletes that they're all meatheads. This is a guy who was valedictorian of his high school and graduated early from Mm -hmm. from LSU and upon graduation immediately was able to invest some of his sign bonus and then used a lot of the rest to buy a house for his mother. And then you talked about the interview and all the things he was hoping to set up for his family. Intelligent guy. And he's going to do what's best for uh, his family. And so I assumed whatever decision he was going to make regarding the opt-out was going to be the best decision uh, for Trey White and, and for his family. I do really like that um, Coach McDermott's, uh, you know, mask up or backup is his slogan. And he seems to be health conscious in regards. I think that a lot of times, now, even we have, we've teased the culture, certainly at the beginning, the idea of culture. But I, I feel like, you know, he's, he certainly was expressing it and the players seemed very comfortable saying like, look, the culture here is we're not screwing around. And the culture here is you need to be the type of person that's thinking about your teammates and what better type of culture to have in a pandemic than this of, well, we already all were on the same page of trying to take care of ourselves and each other because we're, we're codependent. And so, you know, you don't need a star or a diva who's sort of off there doing his own thing. I mean, this is kind of the place to this is sort of the mindset you need to navigate COVID correctly. It's hard enough. We all understand that uh, both listening and participating in this podcast that, you know, COVID is a it, it requires discipline and some days are easier than others. And if you got kids or if you got anything you want to do or if the weather's nice, it, it all of it calls to you. It's all the siren song of this. And when millions of dollars in people's lives are on the line, you know, it's it's important to have the right kind of people around you. And, you know, I ha- I apply strict scrutiny to whoever we bubble up with in our with our family. And I'd expect that, you know, that's the same for at one bills drive for for, you know, uh, Sean McDermott's family. Uh, that is kind of the topic of of the bills here uh, for training cap starting. They haven't done all that much yet, so there's not much to say, but we will. As we understand and find out more about what they're doing, uh, we will do that. You might be able to hear the ice cream truck going by here on the porch here in Fairfax <laughs> County. Um, speaking of the ice cream truck, somebody who might like a lot of ice cream and could drive his car right up to it and not do it in a drunk fashion would be Ed <laughs> Oliver, who uh, had all of his DUI uh, um, charges dropped. He was very happy to crow about that on social media and take shots at the haters. Um, I forget what our official stance on the podcast was. Paul is usually the arbiter of remembering what we all said. Um, But at this point, I'd like to say that um, I, as a routine, try to be innocent until proven guilty, uh, even if I was sort of disappointed in what may or may not have happened. But good news that I'm guessing that'll probably play into the NFL's decision regarding any sort of suspension. And he should be available for the beginning of the season. Paul. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, that was our, our view at the time was we, you know, we, we felt that we kind of need to let the process play out because who really knows what's going on in this situation. I think the only negative thing we said about it is we're kind of disappointed about him getting himself in that situation. But I don't know. I don't even know if I'm disappointed in him getting himself in that situation now, because what exact situation did he get himself in? I, you know, when all charges are dropped like that, and I don't think there's any sort of plea to getting those charges dropped of course i don't know that for sure uh yeah good 
good Fred. He got to vent a little bit about it on Instagram. The team backed him up in a statement. And now I cannot imagine there'd be any grounds to suspend him, but we'll see if the league, you know, changes its mind on that topic. <laughs> yeah, this one, uh, I mean, like, yeah, technically we're not in a court of law, so I don't have to assume that he's innocent until proven guilty. Um I think if I if I'm correct, he had an open beer bottle in the like between his legs while he was driving. That is what they said, though. He seemed to indicate that he I don't know. He never outright said he didn't. But they said (laughs) he said something on Twitter about like they said they saw one. Like, how could you see one between my legs when you're blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, yeah. he had one and got got caught with it. Yeah, I, I think I'm 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 a little concerned. I think I was the one who argued that this might be a we might we might need the the writ of boys will be boys, um, like <laughs> yes. as a one time deal. I think I'm a little concerned by this reaction because I'm gonna go ahead and say if I recall he was arrested just outside Houston, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna go ahead and say that maybe one of the factors uh, at play in his charges being dropped would be like the huge global pandemic and the huge crisis of, you know, mega, you know, catastrophic proportions in the state of Texas, especially the city of Houston, which is like the fourth largest city in the country. I'm going to say that that's probably got something to do with why this was dropped. And for him to then be crowing on Twitter, like, Oh yeah, I got away, you know, whatever, like, um, you know, what exactly are you implying? Like, I'm going to go do it again. It was never it was never real to begin with, but uh, like th- if so, then why are you crowing about it on Twitter? I guess I don't know because he's twenty three. This is Scott's heel turn segment for the week, by the way. Apparently, I, it's, just, <laughs> it's just like of all the like like to get to the point we've just raised. It's a team sport. Everyone's got to take responsibility for their actions. We all have to be working together. And then the 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 message of I just beat my DUI rap, motherfuckers. Like, that's not that's not quite the same message that I'm seeing there. So that's a little it shows a certain lack of awareness, which, again, as a 23 year old, that is when you are fully not aware. Like you are 100 yes. percent about yourself and your boys or your ladies or whatever. Like, I get it. I was there. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll get off my porch in a second here and go back inside. But it just <laughs> is not. It's just, it's just not. It's just it makes it's not a super good look right now in the middle of the like I I don't think I'd bother be bothered as much by it uh, if this wasn't in pandemic times and frankly I don't know if we'd even be talking about it if it wasn't in pandemic times so yeah maybe and I think that you're right I think one of the things I said was where the hell are you even going during a pandemic I think that was one of the <laughs> things yeah. that I sort of had said like well what do you what, I, but to put in context his crowing so to speak, he said, go back and read this article, knowing that my blood work came back clean. But apparently I had to my legs, get the F out of here. How does a 5'8 cop see inside of a window above his head anyway? Because I'm guessing he drives a big truck. And how does a cop car before I take a sobriety test? According to his attorney, Ed wasn't intoxicated. He wasn't drinking. The report that there was a beer can between his legs was totally inaccurate. He, which again, not a complete denial. If, as an attorney, I can say that it could be right, totally that, inaccurate. The, but yeah, it was actually in my cup holder. Exactly <laughs> right. Um, but he blew a triple zero on the breathal- breathalyzer. I, 
I guess if you really wanted to squint, you could say 1.000 is a triple zero, but not really. Uh, <laughs> blood tests were all negative. Um, but he certainly seems to be coming back with the idea that, like, you know, uh, he got pulled over unfairly and not unnecessarily uh, at, in, in his white Ford Super Duty pickup. And, you know, this was sort of baseless completely. Um, and, you know, I, and I agree with with Scott, like there there's some element of it's maybe he got away with one. On the other hand, I can't dismiss that they just sort of pulled over a big black guy in a white truck uh, like yeah. that does happen in this country and, and in Texas. Yeah. And so yeah. yet the good news is. He's not charged. Uh, he he hasn't gone out, as far as I know, like drinking and driving since then. Um, and so let's just chalk this up as a win for everybody. He has been riding his horse around Orchard Park. There are some videos of that. Really? He's riding a horse around Orchard Park? I got, yeah, I'll, he's a big horse guy, so he rides his horse around Orchard Park. Well, I want to see that. Uh, a guy who's not race, riding his horse right now, John Feliciano, uh, injured. Um, and another guy not riding, uh, well, maybe riding a horse, but not in Orchard Park. Spencer Long was released off the offensive line. Uh, Brian Winters, uh, kind of an okay guard from the New York Jets, released and uh, picked up by Buffalo. Uh, the offensive line uh, getting bolstered in the face of non-COVID-related injury uh, and uh, releasing. Um, Winters, of course... Also might have some insight as to how the Jets will play in week one. Um, but Scott, any thoughts on Brian Winters, Spencer Long, John Feliciano? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was, I was, I, I'm a, I think I remember Brian Winters on the Jets and I remember like not, not thinking he was terrible. And, um, you know, he had the, he, he started a lot of games for them. Um, obviously got injured, I think at some point last season. So, uh, you know, Maybe the Jets knew a little more than we did on this, but we we had them enough to. I mean, at this point, I, my understanding is based on the in and outs of of the the you know the building and such. Like under the, the the rules, you can't. It's harder to like work guys out and then and then just kind of leave them hanging while you're debating whether to sign them a contract. Kind of got to sign them a contract to get them into the workout, um, to get them into the building. Right. Um, yeah. But they could have let him go since then, and they certainly didn't need to let. I mean, I guess they could have let someone else go to do that, but um, you know, Spencer Long was not a guy who had was was not you know a, a critical guy. One of the cast of thousands we brought in on the line last year to kind of fill that role. I think Winters is an upgrade from him at least. Now, whether he's going to fully challenge um, for a starting role, I think that to a certain extent depends on the Nseki Ford kind of right tackle dance. Um, you know, that may or may not occur in training camp. Um, and then, you know, obviously Feliciano going down, um, not great. Uh, again, like another guy who we brought in last year, okay job as a starter. I think we were relying a lot on the fact that his continuity would improve, um, even if he wasn't, you know, kind of technically the the master of anything. Um, he certainly had the attitude that everyone liked. So I, all, can, all things considered, I, I think it's a, bit of a negative on the line having to bring in winters um to to cover for feliciano and then lose long at the same time but it's not not a not a huge one and not an unrecoverable one not a not a season changing one i don't think yeah i won't say too much in addition to scott just because i generally in full agreement with him i think feliciano did 
uh, well at certain things last year. He will be missed for as long as he's out with this injury. Kind of odd that you get rid of a guy in Long who's has more, you know, was part of the depth and was, you know, someone who's been in the system for a while and they've so preached continuity. But mm-hmm. they obviously felt this was a talent upgrade. I did go do some research and go to Gangrene Nation uh, when this was done, which is the Jets uh, SB Nation site. And most of the fans were like, meh. It was kind of like the Titans fans reacting to Quentin Spain's release uh, or not being pursued by the Titans in free agency for a re-signing last year. So I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be a fill-in interior offensive lineman who's going to come up someday on this day in Bill's headlines. You're like, oh, yeah, that guy. I remember him. He filled in for Feliciano for however many games. So let's hope he just does the job. We don't talk about him much for giving up big sacks and yes. uh, life is good. <laughs> Here, Here's to a future this day in Bill's headline uh, guy that Scott and I will struggle over uh, <laughs> remembering the name. Uh, the thing I know about Brian Winters is I went to school with a Brian Winters. And so between Scott McDermott, who I went to school with, and Brian Actual <laughs> Winters, who I went to school with, this is getting more and more like the class of 1996 at Greece Arcadia High School. Um, every se- Although definitely not this Brian Winters. This The Brian Winters I knew was actually smaller than me, which is, I know, hard for a lot of you to fathom. Um, he might have gotten taller, and then, but way skinnier. Um but not by much. Okay. Um, let's go to wacky schedule. I, I like the, I like we're at 37 minutes. That's good. I, 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 we could, we could talk about this legends contract thing, but I don't think we need to. I think we should do wacky schedule in this day in bills, uh, headlines. And then, um, we will, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up for a, a nice quick pre pre, um, training camp pod. Okay. Uh, we are into the third quarter of the season. We are beginning this one we teased last time. I had originally selected a different type of game, but this is our game at Seattle in the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone or Capitol Hill. What was the the CHOP? What was the other acronym they were using? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, it was CHOP. It was the Seattle. Uh, the, organized. Seattle, right, yeah. Or something. I don't know. Right. But so – Basically, the Bills and the Seahawks play in a kind of um, a pro-love, no-rules, art festival kind of (laughs) hippie, um, like, society that they created for a brief time there. So, like, so in this game, in this game, as a result, like... um, there's no there's no penalties because there's no referees. OK. Right? And then uh, the the other thing is, is everyone's just kind of, you know, just going, you know, kind of like chilling out a little bit, but like keeping it cool, but also kind of into it, you know, just kind of laid okay. back. So and can then, I. OK, keep going. Sir, yep. No, this is good. Yeah. No. And then. Uh, and then also at some point in the fourth quarter, someone gets shot and killed. So I haven't figured oh, out dude. who that is, but that, that happens at some point. And then, then it kind of becomes kind of a bummer. And, and then the game kind of breaks up in the fourth quarter as everyone kind of walks away. Um, but, but you know, that's, I feel like, you know, kind of a chill laid back vibe, despite the lack of refs, um, you know, they're going to play on the field. Um, it's going to be a little more of a two hand touch. You know, kind of like a, you know, like a, 
let's just call it like more of like a a scrimmage, you know. Okay. Where everyone's really on the same team, which is the NFL team. That's the team that we're all on, I think. Okay. Right. Does that make okay. sense? So yeah. it does. Let me just clarify that. So this isn't like the right's worst nightmare of what left people are. This isn't like screaming social justice warriors that are canceling everything. This is really more of a true kind of 60s hippie. We've shown up at this concert. And even though I bought a ticket, we're going to let everybody in. It's Woodstock. It's a little muddy. Don't take yeah. the brown acid kind of feel. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure yeah. that it wasn't like, because, you know, we're invoking like a very like, you know, the chop politically. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Of, yeah, charged thing. And I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I certainly am not in generally in favor. I am not in favor of any group seeking to overthrow the U.S. government, just right. to be 100% clear. Yes. Because sometimes that question is asked to me for very important reasons, and right. I always answer no to that. So I'm not advocating for that kind of thing. And that's but, not what this really was, just to be clear. In the so football as far game. as I'm concerned, right. yes. yeah. yeah. It was just it's just a bunch of people trying to trying to be cool trying and to be like cool. not not harshing their buzz. All right. So okay, let's just yeah. focus on that part and the no <laughs> rules part. And then, you know, the inevitable descent into chaos says all men are created as, you know, equal, equally evil people. All right. Right. And 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 Hobbes Hobbes steps over with his copy of the Leviathan, saying, "If only you had a social contract that was enforced by a <laughs> by an overlord government, this wouldn't be happening." Um, exactly. I don't know, man. I I, I don't want to believe that that's true, but every time I look up, it's like, yeah, we kind of fucking need somebody in charge, don't we? So okay. Um. All right. I, I that's good. I just won't go with my cancel culture joke. Then is all I was no. gonna. I was. I, I was going to go that way. Pull it out anyway, but no, just... I don't think it fits. I don't think it fits. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, and and just to remind me because I'm so me- you you did such a great job of like painting the mellow picture. Yeah. yeah. What fucking team are they playing again? <laughs> it's, it's at Seattle. It's at, it's at Seattle. Seattle. Right. That's why we're doing this. Okay. Well, you, and as you we know, a... when Scott says at Seattle, it's actually home against Seattle. But we're going to pretend it's at Seattle because why not? What? I, I swear think, to God, I just double checked. I think Google's wrong. I think Google's just fucking. Maybe that could be it. Google could be wrong. We're gonna hey, settle this hey, once for all. Hey, Frank hey, man, like, don't worry, bro. It's <laughs> just like forever, we're gonna play. Like, like, what even is Figure place? It out. All right. Figure it out. Like, I think. Okay, this is great because I think. Um, yeah, a field it says, which is also wrong, but you know. I did say that everybody hallucinated that someone got shot to death. Um, and, and the end, the game ends in a, well, actually, you know what? It is important where the actual game is. Um, so Bill's Seahawks because it, in Buffalo, Seattle in Buffalo. Okay. I I was, I was going to say this game ends in a tie, but that's not what's going to happen. The Seahawks are going to win. The Seahawks are going to win. And this is why. Because as Paul, as Scott says, like everybody's just like the mellow harshes, everybody kind of just wanders off and the Bills being home, you know, they head home first. They just sort of like yeah. they know where they're got a little better sense of where they're going yeah. and the Seahawks hang on the field. And instead, it's it's actually a forfeit. And so I don't know what uh, the forfeit score is. I feel like zero, it's right? no, it's one nothing. Right. Because we looked that up or it used to be one nothing. Now it's two nothing. 
because it yeah. the only way you could get a one nothing score was if you had forfeited the game like pre nineteen fifty six when we were looking up scoregamis. Yeah, so that's a forfeit score of Seattle to um Bills nothing, but up until that point, um the Bills were winning because uh, as as they said in Lisa Simpson's girl math class, if you remember that episode, who cares about numbers? Just tell me how you think a three feels. And that's how every, and the Bills had a better feeling about their score than the than the than the Seahawks had a feeling about their score. Um, and I think that the the coup de gras is six days later. Josh Norman is is found naked with a diaper um, uh, in the in the stands. And and is just he's cool. He's all right. Needs a little water. He's a bit dehydrated, but he he's he's all right, man. It's cool. Yeah, this cool. is uh, what's interesting about this whole scenario is we have to remember, even at Woodstock, even at all in all these places, there are still assholes. There will be assholes there. There <laughs> yeah. will be people who are going to be aggressive and going to be jerks when 95 percent of it's peaceful. So I think there's going to be an actual football game that breaks out amidst the peace involving at least some of the team members. And so now I'm trying to think of which players on each team um, are assholes, and I'm struggling to do so uh, at this time. Russell Wilson seems like a really nice guy, you know, I got yeah. against him. You know, Josh well, maybe there won't be assholes. Maybe like yeah. we maybe can achieve peace in our time. How would you rate the Port of Sam? Nito's not on the Bills anymore. Sherman's not on the Seahawks. I, I go, I'm I, just going to say, yeah, I, I do think a subtle football game is going to break out on the side. I think a lot of the people will try to stop it by assertively saying, hey, man, that's not cool. But I don't think that's going to be effective. <laughs> and so that being the case, I'm going to say uh, that because I think the Bills, I know I was going to say, the team will feel more pressure who is at home to perform in front of their fans who've paid to see a football game, but that's a non-issue now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to say the Bills are going to be trying to be bigger people and not let down the city of Buffalo by resorting to these shenanigans. In the Seahawks players, there will be more of them who choose to play football because they're not in their home turf. And so I will say the Seahawks win this game. Uh, I'll say 16 to Nothing. I think it's a shutout. I think I think they go for two every time because the, they outnumber the. The Seahawks, you know, looked at a mirror and that was the end. That was a really bad bad <laughs> move on their part, right? <laughs> oh man. Oh, um. Yeah, I had this one as so. This one is a back and forth game because I had it as, you know, the Bills kind of showed up. You know, as a, you know, they were they were you know going through the motions and they were they were doing okay and the defense was kind of playing a little bit. And they were up like, I don't know, put it at like, you know, you know, 17, 10 at the half. You know, it's nothing, nothing crazy. And then I feel like at halftime, Seattle comes out and is like, hey, man, let's just play some B. And then we get out and then there's, it just turns into a big freaking ultimate Frisbee game. And like the Bills are going <laughs> on with it because they just want to have fun. But Seattle, like they know, like they're in Seattle, man. Like they, they know how to play some Frisbee. So they, 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 they whoop them. Um, and like Josh Allen's like, he's throwing the Frisbee like way too far. Like he just cannot, cannot find anybody. Like he's just, he's just seeing how far he can throw it, which is not good. Um, and Russell, Russell Wilson, he can, can make that, make him make that be dance. So that, and that really gets up getting away from the bills. It's a poor strategic choice to move to the Frisbee game. So that ends up with a, uh, a Seahawks 31, 31, 21 win. 
uh, over the over the Bills in the uh, Capital Autonomous Zone. Um, the next game I have on the schedule. Hold on, let me look at my notes here. Yep, where I I write down the notes and all the wrong locations where the Bills play. Oh, against the Cardinals. I'll just assume that one of you can tell me where that game is. Right, it's, I put it correctly in the agenda <laughs> chat, so it's at at Arizona. So you would have it as home against Arizona. Yes. Yeah. So, yep, so exactly. passive aggressive. So passive aggressive. Just like, <laughs> well, if you look at the notes, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't when I'm on my phone, Paul. Oh, yeah, in the middle of the in the middle of North Humper, Darmpershire. Exactly. On on with that without the Wi-Fi. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> the cards game is at Arizona, and what they do is instead of playing a football game, they just play paintball for like two hours. Go. Okay. Just oh wow. Capture okay. Capture the flag. Capture the flag. I, I paintball, yeah. where you gotta, you know, you can kind of regenerate it once you get hit. If you go back to your, back to your flag, but then you get, you know, that's in the end zone. And then mm-hmm. we'll play it in the stadium. We'll play it in the lower bowl, so you can get some. Get some, you know, get some, get some tactical action up on the sides there. Gotcha. Get some high ground. You know, there's 50 guys. It's going to be a mess. Um, but Kid, you know, I, I want to see what what happens. What do we think? What do we think? How do you think this plays out? Oh man, there's so many ways this could go. I'm trying to think of which team is faster, which has more natural leaders. I will say this. I think off the top of my head, this is not good for. This is not a good scenario in a game where Kyler Murray is involved, you know, for the Bills. I, I think this is a guy who uh, he can probably, you know, knows what he's doing here. I'm glad I don't know of anyone who's uh, involved in a criminal element on either of these teams, so I can't make a shoot and run sort of comment. Um, as far as I know, we have no Aaron Hernandez's on the field uh, for either squad in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. It's, Come on, it's Paul. Just, I got to go here. Let's go. All right. All right. Uh, brainstorming. Thinking capture the. Uh, all right. It's it. All right. Go, go, Frank. You're, I can I, go. I'm, all right. Yeah. Take a, take a second to think about it. Yeah. Unfortunately, you're going to get the right answer now. So you'll have yeah. to come up with the wrong answer. Um, but of course, Josh Allen, huge Enders game fan, Orson Scott Card, <laughs> um, he knows exactly what to do. And if you've really? read Enders game, Josh Allen. Josh, deep, deep deep sci-fi fan. Really? Sir, 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 (laughs) sir. Uh, Of course, Ender's Game, the classic tale of a young boy chosen to lead humanity uh, against an alien incursion, only to find out, spoiler, that we are the alien incursion and we're committing genocide against an entire other race. Um, But in his training, little Ender uh, becomes a nat becomes a, a leader. He learns how to be a leader. And one of the games they play is this laser tag type game in zero space gravity. And basically you get shot. And if you get shot in the leg, you can no longer move your leg, which makes it harder to move around in, in, in zero gravity space. Um, and you, if you get hit in the chest, your whole body freezes. And what they learn to do, the way Ender wins the game, his gambit to get to the other side and hit the flag, essentially, um, is he freezes his own team. His own team gets frozen and they put the frozen bodies together as like a failing, like a shield. And he climbs into the middle or one of the smaller ones climbs into the middle and then they push themselves towards the the goal. And no matter what the other team does, how often they shoot, they can't get to the guy inside. 
and then he just lets himself at, out at the end and gets the flag, and they don't even realize the game's over because they didn't even know a guy was hiding inside the body. And similarly, Josh Allen takes the paint gun, and he puts all the guys, he, he just splatters all the paint guy gun, his own team, and they just create a huge wall. While while the, the Cardinals guys are all, like, super bros, and they're, like, hiding and trying to get, like, good vantage points and shit, he, they, they just create a fucking valence, and they go for it. And they and he goes for it and he he dives out at the end. He jumps over a paintball or two at the end and and gets that flag and runs right through the the uh, tunnel at the other end, thus securing victory for the Buffalo Bills. One nothing. Yeah, Paul, what, Paul, what Frank said before you. Oh, that, okay. that, 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 yep. Well, Paul, I was actually <laughs> going to ask you what, how many how many paintball games do you think Frank has been to? Been uh, more than zero. I'm going to say more than zero. You would that be wrong. I'm... You'd be wrong. <laughs> really? <laughs> I've never done paintball in my life. I can only I assume it's exactly like Ender's Game. So, <laughs> how many times have you seen Ender's Game? Is the question. Uh, well, read Ender's Game like twice. I got halfway through the movie before I'm like, this is not. This is missing all of the important, like, good feelings about Ender's Game. They focus too much on the the sci-fi and not too much on the like the internal struggle of of ender politics in that book yeah a, yeah a, well that too yeah um <laughs> scott card right, like, well, anyway like a, not a great person in real life but you know good book anyway okay um yep. anyway back to the paintball guys <laughs> um so as anyone who's been to a paintball game would know once you're dead you don't you can't interfere with the game anymore that kind of defeats the purpose of you being dead so you would be uh, under Frank's logic. Josh Allen and the rest of his people would be immediately disqualified by the referees who are, you know, in a paintball game sometimes. Yeah, they're uh, and they'd all be. The they're going to pick up the punter and hold him like a shield and run. You can no. do that. Of course yeah, you can do that. It's not, it's not allowed. That's not. It's just a rule. It's a rule in paintball. Um Okay, so as a result, I will tell you what actually happens. And I still think the Bills win. I think it's mostly – and Paul was on the right track, and I'm a little disappointed he didn't quite get there. Wow. But the correct person, the correct kind of archetype of people we were looking for would be helpful in this game, hunters. Hunters. Uh. Guys who are a little more accustomed to being a little more – used. now obviously paintball gun is not as accurate as an actual you know, gun. Uh, but you know, just basic kind of like, you know, like motion and kind of understanding the physics of where the things go and how to kind of aim and stuff. It does come in handy a little bit. So I'm going to give the bills an edge there, just assuming that they have more hunters. I have no actual data to support that, but I'm just going to assume they are. I think partially oh, makes yeah, me think sure. that like Kyle Williams was probably like a hunter, even though he's not on the bills anymore. I don't know. Whatever. I know he's a good golfer. <laughs> Maybe that's relevant. Yeah. He's a good swimmer. We know that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Bills win that one. I'm going to go, uh, you know, three flags to one. Sure. Uh, and I don't think it would even be that many. A big open field like that, it'd be – I don't think anyone would get anywhere. Um, okay. So we'll move on to I like next. my answer so much better. It's fine. It's fine. I'm going to pull up our notes here. Where are the notes? It's the way that paintball should be played. I'm sorry. Whatever. At okay, so home <laughs> home versus San Diego. Home versus San Diego is I yes. guess the correct thing. Yes. Or Los Angeles and, as they're called now. Yes. 
to end. I had to get something <laughs> wrong. The game, is, <laughs> the game is played in San Diego, which is a terrible mistake because the teams aren't from there and everyone gets malaria. Everyone uh, gets that's an interesting malaria. thing to contract these times. Like of all like the bloodborne diseases to get right now, malaria. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a huge bummer. Everyone gets malaria. The symptoms, just for the record, are uh let's see. High temperature, feeling hot and shivery, headaches, vomiting, muscle pains, diarrhea, generally feeling unwell, and you get these weird forty eight hour cycles where like sometimes you get really sweating and fatigued and, and you're like you're going through the worst of it and then you think you're getting better and then you're not and they basically have malaria for the whole week leading up to the game so bills and chargers uh all have malaria go you know this is this is easy for me and i'll, I'll go first again just because um i was lame last time uh those of us familiar with the University at Buffalo's Office of Global Health Initiatives know that they have been involved uh, in a malaria prevention program with the World Health Organization uh, and the Tropical Disease Research Program uh, with the Uganda Ministry of Health, of course. And so they're actually have been planning treatments of malaria uh, with the Uganda Ministry of Health. Uh, you know, they've been trying to develop a vaccine for a long time on on malaria, and they have made more progress in Buffalo uh, than than anywhere else. Uh, you know, you're talking about immunizing human transfer anti-malarial proteins to mosquitoes when bitten. I won't go into all the technical things, uh, but I believe uh, nat the Nature Nanotechnology Journal, uh, which describes uh, Buffalo as being on the cutting edge of this, and since Buffalo is so far ahead on the malaria landscape. I'm going to assume all the players have already received this vaccination that most of the world doesn't even know exists yet. Mm. Uh, in fact, none of the world knows it exists. They've just kept it under wraps and they're pretending like, oh, we're still researching it, but it exists. And uh, the entire- Just Buffalo like the Bills COVID team, vaccine. Yep, it's out there. Uh, and yeah, so the, the, the research team no doubt has done this. And I'm sure their first priority was like, uh, okay, let's get everyone in Uganda vaccinated, but then let's do the Buffalo Bills because UB did this. Uh, so I'm going to say the Bills are not going to deal with any sort of malaria problems in this game, and it is a runaway. I will say 42 to 3. Wow. All okay. right. All right. That's a strong answer. I like it. Frank? Uh, okay. I um. Uh, friends of Joe Hackrip. Okay, unfortunately, that's not going to help me. All right. So this is what I was thinking. What I was thinking was, um, the obviously malaria treated by the most famous of medications right now, hydrochloroquine um, or hydroxychloroquine. Um, super medicine, of course, prevents everything, um, included COVID nineteen. I don't know if you know this, but if you could just snort uh hydroxychloroquine um and as a non-doctor um please listen to me and do exactly what i say <laughs> just snort it right up your nose your your fishbowl cleaner and um and you'll be fine um so i was hopeful that w like the chargers owner would have a pers a particular political persuasion different than the political persuasion of the pagulas and i could just say well obviously Based on American politics, one of them is more likely to have stock of hydroxychloroquine than the other, but it appears that they both sort of 
lean towards uh, the same way, which happens. So that's out, obviously. Um, I think that ultimately um, what I'm going to say, I'm also going to pick the bills. This is great because New York and California, huge nanny states, very hard to get things, very buy things. You, you know, like you don't think about it that way, but it's like everything's sort of regulated. But which one's closer to Canada? Buffalo. Uh-huh. Buffalo has a much better chance of buying things there, maybe getting a few things pushed around here. California has a label that says everything can cause cancer. My guess is the Bills were able to get their hands on hydroxychloroquine quicker than the Chargers. I think that 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 leads to the Bills recovering a little bit better. I don't think it's quite the blowout that that the um, that our our friend Paul thinks it is. Um, but I do think I'll, I'll say twenty eight to ten. I think it's it's a seriously you can tell who was feeling better that day. Uh, I'm going to take the Bills on that one. Okay, I will take, and the, I think the correct answer is the is the Chargers. However, oh wow, uh, okay, yeah, but, sorry, it's just no. Please yeah, tell me. I think I will. I think the hydroxychloroquine kind of distribution is is gonna even out. I think that the Chargers, obviously, you know, kind of being close to Mexico, maybe they get some that's right different yeah. uh, prescriptions down there, some things that maybe aren't you know quite as available up here, or maybe Hydro- hydroxychloroquine with three Q. It has three Qs in it for some hydroxychloroquine yeah. spelled with three Qs, and you're like, okay, let's hope this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and I also just say. Home versus road, or wait, is it? For, yeah, right. It? Well, <laughs> it's fine, Scott. You're oh. in a, in where Scott is currently. Like the roads are all backwards, so that's why the roads he's are not... all roads. They're all roads for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So anyway, like, I'll <laughs> the Okay, last game. Uh, this is, it's a game versus the 49ers, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Of San all Francisco. Right. Of San Francisco. Yeah. And this one. So this one got me thinking erroneously about Patrick Mahomes because I thought that he played for the 49ers for about a second. But that was just long enough to get me thinking of that stupid thing where like he thought he can throw farther than Josh Allen Mm -hmm. or Josh Allen said he could throw farther than him. And I was like, boy, that's a really stupid debate. Um, (laughs) Has nothing really to do with how a football game should be settled. And I was like, oh, well, then that should be the wacky schedule is that they they throw a football against each other. And then I'd be like, wait, no, that doesn't make any sense because the the that would be sort of too close to football. We should get further away from football. And it's like, what if there what is the other thing of a sport where they settle things in a way that's not really tied to the sport, but is sort of tied to the sport? And I was like, oh, right. A hockey shootout. We should have a hockey shootout. Mm. And I was like that. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Because Patrick Mahomes isn't on the 49ers. He's on the Chiefs. <laughs> that was Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm like, fine, Jimmy Garoppolo versus Josh Allen, hockey shootout. So just Love they're it. both hockey shootout. It's it's a five-inning, you know, top and bottom, and then you go into sudden death after that. And that is your that is that that decides the winner of the of the Buffalo uh San Francisco game is Josh and Allen is it- and then they yeah, they take turns goalie and shooter. And home team goes first, right? Because it's hockey. Yes. Even though it's, which is kind of weird and Canadian of them, but yes, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. I will start with I will start with Frank on this one. I think Paul is starting. Yeah, I want to say I want to say living in Buffalo, you're going to have access to more hockey, 
but it's really bad hockey professionally. Like it's terrible hockey, and like their shootout is fucking awful. Like I, I don't know. Like, like for years you didn't even, we couldn't even explain why Jack Eichel wasn't on the on the shootout list. And you know, San Jose isn't that far away. Um, yeah, you know what? I think that if you want to play the hockey angle and maybe this is what Paul wants to do, you can focus on the fact that world juniors are there and like, there's a lot of junior hockey, which is probably actually really good in the Buffalo and Western New York area. Uh, but from a purely professional standpoint, uh, I think that Terry Pagula would be like, yeah, get, get them over to the, the Harbor arena there and, and, and have them work on it. I think they absolutely put the, the, the mockers on them. And and they they get the saber stink all over them, and not only do they get crushed in this shootout, you're lucky if they don't lose like three games in a row after this. So yeah, it's a poor decision by Terry Pagula. Um, there's some definite cries for ownership to change based on this. Um, and uh, you know, and somehow Rasmus Dahlin gets hurt in the process. And so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the I'm gonna say it's gonna be three nothing. Three nothing um, San Jose slash San Francisco because we don't even get to the <laughs> wow. full five rounds. Don't even, don't even they call it just Jeez. trashed, absolutely okay. trashed. Yeah. All right, man. Official official blows it early, uh, blows the whistle early. Yeah. Um, yeah. Initially, I was hoping that instead of them alternating goalie shooter, that they would choose their own goalie, and obviously uh, Buffalo on defense as we know, has the founder of a great goaltenders academy in Tredavious White uh, with the yes. Trey White Goalie Ooh. Academy. Damn, so I, I forgot thought about that. he yes. might be in net for this, but <laughs> since that is not the case, uh, my next thought was to see, oh, uh, what are any of the connections that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo or Josh Allen have to hockey? Google has failed me largely in this regard. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo dropped a puck at a Sharks game, and uh, Josh Allen, to my knowledge, doesn't understand what hockey is. Uh, no, he did participate in something called Fresno Hockey Talk once. So that was uh, that's something. So this is this is difficult. Uh, Frank went with the angle that the uh, Bills and Sabres ownership is always going to blow it when anything turns to hockey, and that is certainly a valid point of view. Uh, but I will. I will take it the other direction and I say the exact opposite of what Frank says will will happen. Finally, this is what's been re needed to rejuvenate hockey in the city of Buffalo, uh, that none of the bringing the local tournaments and the junior regional tournaments and the, the NHL combine and everything else is done. Uh, this does it. Josh Allen is the hero. This is Josh Allen leaping, you know, Anthony Barr by 100. They do call it after three rounds because uh, they're worried about Jimmy Garoppolo's career after this. So, yeah, I say wow. it's Buffalo with Josh Allen in three rounds of the shootout. Wow. Quick reminder yeah. of how hot Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. is as both a man and woman. Just a quick <laughs> reminder that that was a thing and that continues to be a thing. Okay. It's just it's still etched in my brain. Those all of those it's are still etched like in my brain. so hot. It's unfair. <laughs> um, so uh, I think I had this. So I had this one as I'm gonna give the edge. I I, I went back and forth on this because on the I think I'm gonna give it to. Uh, I think I'm gonna give it to Josh Allen, and I think what Josh realizes at some point is that. He actually is big enough and tall enough and kind of wide enough, wider than Garoppolo, that all he really needs to do 
is just go full Martin Brodeur, just go do the double pad stack and lay down in front of the goal. And I don't think Garoppolo is going to get the puck in the air. I just don't because you're right. He has no hockey experience. Neither one of them has any hockey experience. I'm just hoping that Josh Allen figures that out first. All he has to do is lay down on the ice. No one's getting the, he's not, Garoppolo is not going to be able to flip it over him. I think, I think, I think that's game set match. And then after that, uh, I think, I think he figures it out late. So I'm going to give it at like, you know, five to four Allen, Allen with the win. He pulls out the, the double pad stack late in the, uh, late in the, in the shootout. And he, and he, Garoppolo doesn't see it coming and Josh Allen gets away with the win. Uh, and that is your, that is your, your, your third quarter wacky schedule. Uh, put it in the books. Boom. I liked it. Well done. Scott. Yeah. Well done. That really, I really, I really like how that opened up at the end. I felt like we built and it was very good. So yeah. thank you. Um, return. And, uh, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your, your time in will for sure. Sure. To buy our Derby. Um, <laughs> Let's get some this day in Bill's headlines done, yeah. uh, and then let's 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 move on. Let's let our friends enjoy the rest of their time inside. All right. This this was one was this lead headline for August 9th was at the end, but I've moved it up to the beginning uh, based on the the transition that Scott's last game provided here. This has nothing to do with Buffalo sports, but August 9th, 1988, the Los Angeles Kings trade Jimmy Carson, Martin Jelena, their first round choices in 1989, 1991, and 1993, and cash to another hockey team for Marty McSorley, Mike Krushelinski, and blank. Uh, the team they've well, traded to is Edmonton. That will probably help you get this. Los Angeles-Edmonton trade involving three first round picks. Oh, God. Picks. Um. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. God. Right. Yeah, right. Sorry. Right. That was right. The the trade. Right. Yes. The the biggest trade in hockey history was this day. I just felt like the need to mention Maybe that. sports history. I don't know, right? Yeah. Like Yeah, well, that's, he, uh, yeah that's certainly uh, it, that's in the debate. There is no yeah. doubt. He never uh, won a cup after that though. So I mean and Edmonton nope. did win one more. So uh-huh. anyway. Didn't work for LA. But LA did end up winning cups in the twenty ten. So hey, they Yeah, and LA <laughs> LA L.A. made tons of money, and the NHL's profile, you know, went through the roof. Yep. There's uh, a there's a great SI alternate history article of what happens if Wayne Gretzky never gets traded, and it's like Edmonton wins like seven Stanley Cups in a row, but the NHL kind of r- remains a, a Canada sport. Like, the, basically, the NHL never expands to Dallas, Florida, you know, all of the southern states, like they basically just, you know, it kind of remains a 20 team league, yeah. basically. Or and its latest hotbed, Vegas, mm-hmm. you know, they're now exactly. the number one seed in the Western Conference in the NHL, mm-hmm. and they have a big fan base in only their third season. So good for them. Of course, we have the Seattle Kraken coming, but that'll be a discussion for our NHL podcast. All right. 2019 blank had an epic moment as he scored touchdown on his first play for Bills. Blank scores a 65-yard touchdown with his first ever touch in Christian the NFL. Wade. Christian Wade, very good, Scott. Uh, is, is our resident uh, British reporter. You, you need to get yeah. that. All right. 2017. Oh, this is this is hilarious. Uh, McDermott on Bill signing blank. Good addition for our team slash organization. Uh, could blank be the one making two to three plays in a game that make the difference between winning and losing? 
uh, that when you add them up, the Bills one to two wins that they've been lacking for so long, the difference between eight and eight and 10 and six, he embodies the culture we're looking for, says Brandon Bean. And here's the hint that will probably knock us over the top. Even though he'll be taking one of their jobs, Bills wide receivers are happy blank is aboard. This 2017. Is Anquan Bolden? It is Anquan Bolden. Things things went downhill so fast. Anquan Bolden. Bigly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I feel I bring him up a lot in this day in Bills headlines, but oh, it's so ridiculous. All right. Uh, 2015. Blank will probably start Bill's preseason opener. Blank didn't get much work during the scrimmage, completing just two of his six pass attempts for 27 yards. Throughout training camp, though, Blank has gotten the most time with the first-team offense, and that will continue in the preseason game. Oh, um, Nathan Peterman? Not Peterman. He was 2017, so this is a couple years before Nate. Is this EJ? No, but it was someone that EJ was competing with. It was a three-way battle in training camp. It was oh, EJ. Um, Kevin Cobb. No, good guess. He would have been 2014, though, so 13. So uh, no, but he was the other guy. So it was Tyrod who won the job. This guy who was the favorite at this point and EJ Manuel. This guy had oh, EJ one was snap. on the way out. Okay. Yes, he had one snap uh, under center for the Bills. It was the opening game of the 2015 season. He took a snap under center. Oh, right. Yeah. Then left the field and Tyrod came in and quarterback the rest of the year. Matt right. Castle. Matt Castle, yeah. Frank gets it. That's when you said that. I remembered the play. That's right. <laughs> There's also some good articles about how we got a bonus for that play based on how the NHL do- NFL does bonus money. You got like 50, $15 or something absurdly low. Um, all right, 2014. This is two names. Uh, and without giving further hints, I'll see if you can get both names uh, just based on, you know, connecting the dots. Blank touchdown against blank shows cornerbacks rust 2014. So through a few weeks of training camp, blank has had his ups and downs. Rookie receiver Sammy Watkins has beat him a few times in practice. And on Friday, that carried over to the game against Carolina. So you have a struggling cornerback for the Bills, and you have a Carolina wide receiver who torched him in a preseason game. Okay. It was probably Steve Smith, right? Would have been the receiver. No, no? I think I think this is more Billsy. I think this I think this is Kelvin Benjamin. Ah, Frank read my mind. It is more yeah. Billsy. Kelvin Benjamin is the receiver. But who did? Yeah, but who did he beat? Kelvin Benjamin beat a. Corner on the downward trend. It's, well, he we thought he was on the downward. Trend. Oh, and then he and then he wasn't. So was it Stephon Gilmore? <laughs> it is. It is the okay, reigning yeah. NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Okay. <laughs> Stephon okay. Gilmore. All right. Oh, so that's like that's like the Pete Bills Gilsey, ended up with right? one of these players. <laughs> yep, the Bills ended up with the one <laughs> who was poorly. on the downward trend of his career, and they <laughs> let him. So, so wonderful. All right, 2013. Blank impresses with preseason catches. Blank. Undrafted in 2011 out of Monmouth College, had five catches during the 11-on-11 portions of practice. The 6'1", 220 receiver has excellent hands and is making an underdog bid for a roster spot amid thorough competition at receiver. I will give the hint that this goes with the trend of the last question of player establishes himself with Buffalo, then goes on to be an exceptionally good player with New England. 
for uh, it's, it's Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan. Yep. All right. Uh, no quiz for 2009, but it's important to note NFL sack leader Bruce Smith and Bills owner Ralph Wilson Jr. inducted into the Hall of Fame. Congrats to uh, Bruce and Ralph 11 years later. All right. 2006. Can blank stay hot after the summer's gone? Blank's dilemma, Blank's dilemma is simple. He was inexpensive enough to fall back into a third or fourth receiver's role in years past. But it'll be interesting to see if the Bills will want to head into the season with Blank, Price, Roscoe Parrish, and Andre Davis all on the roster. Lee Evans has solidified his position as the number one receiver, and others like Sam Aiken and Jonathan Smith have proven their worth on special teams. So basically think of any receiver who played for the Bills on or around 2006 that wasn't any of the names. Josh Reed. Josh Reed. There you go. Right on top of it. All right. 2005. I stayed away from the darkest headline on this day. This one has a dark element to it, but no one's dead. Uh, Related to this headline, I feel it's a good reminder to bring up. Eh, You know, if if you're aware of anyone with mental health issues in your life, pay attention to them because it can go off the rails quickly. Um, Okay, 2005, this is the headline, and this has nothing to do with any darkness. Blank making plays on defense. He says, well, you know, Pat Williams is gone. I feel like I can hang in there with the best of them, Blank said. The bottom line is that we do have a really good defense. Ron Edwards is very capable, and Tim Anderson is coming on doing his thing. But I feel like I can do my thing, too. I don't feel like I'm out of the picture. I'm here to play. Now, why do I bring up the the darkness aspect? Here's a headline from August 7th of 2020 regarding this same person. Ex-defensive lineman Blank pleads not guilty by reason of insanity for attempted murder. Mm. Uh, Blank 41 Mm. shot a co-worker in the right shoulder last October. He has been charged with attempted first-degree murder, first-degree assault, extreme indifference, first-degree assault, intent to cause serious bodily injury, and first-degree burglary. He told police after he was arrested that he has hydrocephalus, uh, he also said that the Russian mafia was following him, and he accidentally shot her and didn't mean to hit her. Mm. So yes, he's had a busy week this week, but in 2005, he was just worried about trying to fill in the void uh, left by Pat Williams with fellow teammates, uh, Ron Edwards and Tim Anderson. Went on to play for the Ravens, uh, won a Super Bowl, I believe, when he was either with Baltimore or with Denver, where he also ended up for some of his career. He actually played in the NFL. He was a Bills draft pick originally. Um, Played in the NFL for... uh, Let's see how many seasons. Paul, yeah, I have have no idea. Yeah, Yeah, no, me neither. All right, Justin Bannon is the name. Justin Bannon. Yes, he did go to the Ravens later. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Jeez. So keep Justin Ban your thoughts. Thankfully, the woman he shot is fine, but uh, he he needs some help. All right. On to a lighter headline. Not really, but not not as dark anyway. Uh, 2000 blank injures neck. Linebacker blank sprained his neck uh, during a pass rushing drill yesterday morning and sat out the afternoon practice. He hopes to return today and plans to play Saturday Detroit. Blank said he actually injured his neck in last Friday's preseason opener against Cincinnati. Normally, this is the point when I say, oh, yeah, and he never played in the NFL again because it was a terrible injury. Uh, But he actually started 11 games that year. Uh, This was the last of his seven seasons with the Bills before one in San Diego and two in Atlanta. He was a second round pick out of Colorado in 1994.
sorry, what was the year? Uh, this was a 2000 headline. It was his last season with the Bills, a linebacker. Uh, I want to say either Rodgers or Cowart. You, sh- you should uh, say one of those, yeah. Uh, Rodgers. Rodgers, Rogers. right, Coward. that's it. With, a, with, a, with an assist from, from Scott. <laughs> Scott playing Wayne Gretzky with the, the key assist there. All right. Uh, 1997, this is just a cringy headline. Uh, literally, the word cringe is in, in here. Uh, not it. the headline so much. Bill's role, Levy defends blank. Uh, I'm going to read a brief history that will take me about 15 seconds. Uh, Marv Levy was not interested in discussing the game after the Bills' 19-3 preseason victory over the Vikings. Instead, he wanted to talk about one of his quarterbacks, not Todd Collins, who had his most impressive outing leading the Bills to their first victory of the summer, but Blank, who has been the subject of heavy fan and media criticism for his performance and publicly complaining that he has not gotten a fair chance to compete for the starting job. Levy used his post-game news conference to come to Blank's defense, all of a sudden, it's beat up on blank week, he said. Bull, nobody runs quarterbacks out of town. That's what they did with Favre in Atlanta, Hugh Schuler in Washington, and Steve Young in Tampa Bay. Um, he was, this report, this uh, player was, drew more heat for Tyner Reporter that he did not think he was given a legitimate chance to win the number one job. He was booed by some fans in the crowd of 32,000 after replacing Collins midway through the second quarter. After the game, he backed off his comments, saying that his frustration got the better of him. He stunned many reporters and made a Bills public relations man cringe when he said he had mood swings every six months, comparing them to a woman's menstrual cycle. Ooh. 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 I will give the hint. I remember him playing one game for the Bills where he came off the bench. Uh, He admitted after the game he didn't study the playbook, and they cut him. Oh. Like a meeting, uh, like Al- not Alex Van Pelt, right? Like he, no, no, he, he was the he was like was a coach the, later, right? He, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he was on. And it was Van Pelt, it was Collins, and it was this guy in '97. He had never won an NFL game with the Bills. I think he went on. He played with the Saints and then won like a couple games, but he, he was, you know, he he never really did much with his career. Billy Joe Hobert. Billy Joe Hobert, you got it. Wow, well done. Nicely done, Frank. Wait, no, really? Yeah. Oh my God! No, Billy Joe Hobart was a throwaway name because I know he played for the Saints. Oh my God! You, you got? I thought you were making an educated no. guess. I'm like, no, that was a throwaway name. I it just was. thought like useless Saints quarterback Billy Joe Hobart. Okay. Yeah, and, and you, you could have gone with I, I had quarterback to... Billy Joe Tolliver and Ben Wright. No, but, but yeah, right. it's Billy Joe Hobart. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Wow. No, that was goofy. I'm sorry, guys. Like, I didn't mean to, like, that wasn't that goofy. Was, that was a, you shouldn't have admitted that. We'd have just been yeah. like, hey, nice job, Frank. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a, yeah. I, I closed my eyes and swung. I and uh, sometimes yeah. you, sometimes you make contact. All right, there you go. Um, all right. In the interest of time, I'm going to go through this one without reading the whole thing. 1990 blank lone glimmer of light in otherwise drab bills display it says the second year receiver hustled his way to 93 yards to stay in a wide open race for the reserve roles it said it should have been time for the bills to mentally if not physically pack up and bid avidazane to germany their temporary preseason headquarters since last tuesday so it talks about this receiver making all these great fourth down catches and scoring a touchdown a 20 to 6 loss to the vikings and hey maybe he'll win a role with the bills he would play three games for the Bills that year. He made the team, but he was a gunner on special teams in all those games. He was never targeted as a wide receiver, but the team that was impressed was, his, was the opponent, the Vikings. He went on to play nine seasons with Minnesota as their special teams ace. He caught uh, 67 passes, 
719 yards and four touchdowns on 99 targets in his career. And he was a ninth round pick out of Stanford. And that's all I'll say because this is a guy you'll remember or you won't. Nope. Dante Culpepper. Great guess. Chris Walsh is the answer. All right. Last headline, 1989. Uh, You'll get one of these, I'm sure. Bills come to terms with blank and blank. Buffalo Bills center blank and cornerback blank, who have been free agents since February, have reached contract agreements with the team. The Buffalo News has learned. So center, 1989. Kent Hull. Kent Hull. Cornerback is tougher. I'll give the hint that he played well in his career. Unfortunately, he is most remembered for the 1988 AFC title game when the Bills had stopped the Bengals on the last drive, and he took an unnecessary roughness penalty, gave the, the Bengals the first down, side the Bills 10, and they scored a touchdown and put the game out of reach. And then the next season in a Monday night game, again, or in a, it might not have been Monday night, but it was a game against Houston, he suffered what seemed like a bad neck injury and they examined it and he did have a bad neck injury, but they determined that the issue wasn't the neck so much as a degenerative spine issue uh, that he had. And he never played in the NFL. Again, he's healthy. He's not a quadriplegic or anything. He's coaching high school ball last I checked. Um, but he was a, he was a, he was a bill's first round pick the 14th overall in 1985 seemed like he was on his way to a good career, but unfortunately just random injury. And that was it for this guy. Hmm. Guessing, guessing this won't be a guess out of nowhere, so I'll give the answer, and it is Derek Burroughs. Derek, Derek Burroughs. Yeah, I do remember Derek Burroughs. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't going to come up with Derek Burroughs, but I do remember him. Yep, had six career interceptions, and that was this day in Bill's headlines for August 9th. Awesome. That was that went well, especially at the end when I got that question right. That was great. <laughs> Billy uh, Joe, who right. should be your go-to guest from now on, Frank? Well, he. that's what I was planning to establish, was like, all right, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to try and just have a bad guess every time. Um, but it worked out. What else uh, What else worked out is it's it's now out, it's now gone 11, as they say in the UK, for Scott. So we need to get out of here for, uh, for his his sake. Uh, he has he has a long drive in the morning uh, to return to uh, West Bumbleshire um, <laughs> East. It's not that funny. I, I, I want West, it to be funnier West than Bumbleshire it is. Bumbleshire on Avon. That's, that's yes, the... West Bumbleshire on Avon, which is not to be confused with West Bumbleshire, which are not near each other at all. Um, and New West Bumble, Bumbleshire, which is actually in Scotland. Uh, okay, and if you have any other great classic English folk uh, town names, you can send them to at MNYBills on Twitter or BBillsMNY at gmail.com or look for us, Buffalo Bills, maybe next year. We're on Anchor. We can go to Facebook.com forward slash B bills MNY because Facebook won't let me change the URL uh, and who cares at this point, but we really appreciate you listening. Thank you so much uh, for doing that. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back when there's more bills news to talk about. Maybe oh, God willing a game to play. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but thank you so much again for listening until then. My name is Frank Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone. <laughs>